From the Ohio News Network, this is Ohio Sports Magazine. Now, here's your host, Kate Burdett. Welcome to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. A detective who works with Homeland Security, a sixth grade teacher, a bank president, a research scientist, and more. What's their connection? They want to set children free from human trafficking. Wow, that's a big, big project, but... Here's why we're talking to them. On June 17th, eight cyclists and their crew are going to set out on a nonstop transcontinental relay race from Oceanside, California to Annapolis, Maryland. It's the 2023 Race Across America, and it's for a great cause. Joining us today to tell us all about it is Brad Ortenzi. He knows a little bit about child trafficking. He's a former undercover online child exploitation investigator with a police department in Pennsylvania, and he is the race director this year. Hi there, Brad. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about the race across America. I know you have done this in the past, right? That's correct. Yes. So the uh, the Race Across America is an organization that uh, does this race every year. I believe this is the 41st or 42nd year they've been doing this. Um, and it's a, like you said, it's a, it's a race from California to Maryland, uh, 3000 miles. And the interesting part about this race is once it starts, it doesn't stop until you reach the end. So it's a 24 seven kind of thing. Um, you can enter a team as a single person, or you can have a two man team, a four man team, or an eight man team. Uh, and that's the team concept is a relay. And, uh, every team, just about everyone that goes into the race across America raises funds for their charity of choice. So I happen to work for, uh, a nonprofit, uh, Zoe International, and, uh, we rescue children, uh, and restore children that have been enslaved in child trafficking. So we use the race across America as a platform for awareness. It's an awareness project to make people aware of uh, child trafficking. And also uh, it's a fundraising project for us as well. Wow, that is that is quite an undertaking. More than 3,000 miles on a bicycle. And this is, how many races have you done? I've done two. We we entered a team into uh, the Race Across America in 2019, our eight-man relay team. We placed third that year, and then uh, we do it every other year. So in 2021, we entered a team again, uh, and we ended up placing first in the eight-man team uh, that year. So this year is... Uh, I think it's going to be our fastest team. Uh, it's gotten too big and I've gotten old now. So, uh, I was sort of managing it now, not racing. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, we're set up to do, to do pretty well this year. Now, Brad, you probably didn't just jump on a bike and say, Hey, let's go. You've done, you've done some training. Are you an avid cyclist? This is something that you, you've always done. Right. Yeah. So my wife and I have always been avid cyclists. Uh, we were working with Zoe in Thailand. Uh, and at the time, when we got this idea, we wanted to turn bike riding into uh, a fundraising project, an awareness project for Zoe. So um, at 2018, my wife and I, we rode our bikes uh, from Virginia to California and invited people along on the route with us. And um, when they come on the route with us, we turn them into advocates for for Zoe and for child trafficking just to you know make an awareness project. So um that was 2018. And we started talking about, we knew about the race across America. I used to watch the race across America as a kid on uh, wide world of sports. So um, we knew about the race across America. So we started just talking about it. And 
decided to put a team on the, in play in 2019. And it, it works out great for us and it works out great for nonprofits because it affords us, well, it affords nonprofits the platform uh, to showcase and, and make awareness for our project. So it works out really well. You, in 2019, raised more than $175,000 to fight child trafficking. When you took first place in 2021, donations totaled more than $380,000. And you've set a pretty lofty goal for your team this year, haven't you? We have, yeah. Our goal is uh, $750,000. And we're currently, um, I believe we just crested $400,000 so far. So, yeah, we have a ways to go, but uh, we, we have a good start so far. Wow. I definitely want to talk more, and we will, coming up, talk more about Zoe International and the cause for which you're riding. But while we're on the topic of riding a bike across the country, and since you have done it, can you give us a little bit of insight into what that is like? What is What would you say, geographically, is the most grueling part of the United States to ride a bicycle across? Well, I guess it's uh, it's a little bit contextual in that, you know, you're all hyped up at the beginning, starting in California. Um, it's just you never know what part's going to be the hardest. Uh, remember in 2021, the first night um, we started our shift at midnight and it was 109 degrees uh, in Blythe, California, coming across a desert. And, that, and we're on 12-hour shifts. So we have uh, of an eight-man team, we have four men on one team, four men on another team, and then crew that backs up each team. Uh, so... Obviously, um, we can't ride 24 seven the whole way across the country, but, um, so I remember just that, that shift, beginning of that shift, it was, uh, just painfully hot at midnight. So we knew once the sun came up, it was going to be really challenging. So, so there's the desert of California, um, depending on how the wind is going when you come across the Midwest, that can be really challenging. It can be great if there's a tailwind. Uh, and then actually the, the hardest part is not climbing the Rockies in Colorado, but the hardest part we think is climbing the Appalachians when you get to the East Coast. Uh, the Appalachians are known for being a little harder than the, than the Rockies. So I would say probably the Appalachians are the, the hardest part of the race. Wow. I would have expected the Rockies. That is interesting. It is a grueling race across the country, California to Maryland, coast to coast. It's the race across America and it's been around for a while. Brad Ortensi and his team are doing it for a really great cause, Zoe International. They fight child trafficking. And coming up, we have some statistics and some more information about this organization and the cause that it promotes and supports. It's coming up on Ohio Sports Magazine. Morning juice. Consistency is the key to excellency, and I'm pretty sure it was Ben Hogan who said golf is 90% played in the two spots between your ears. It's a great line out of a fantastic book. Morning juice. Sponsored by Affinity Whole Health. Weekday mornings at 6. The fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Kate Burdett. Welcome back to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. It's a growing problem, not only in the U.S., but worldwide, child sex trafficking. It's an issue very close to Brad Ortenzi's heart. He is formerly of law enforcement, working undercover online to protect children. And after that career, he said, what more can I do? That's why Brad got involved with Zoe International. And he's joining us today, not only to talk about this amazing organization and what they do to advocate for and protect children not only in the U.S., but around the world, but also an amazing, amazing project he and some friends are undertaking. They're about to ride their bikes across the country to raise awareness and money for Zoe International. Brad, 
Tell me more. How long has this organization been around? Zoe International, uh, this is our 20th year. Um, and uh, yeah, so we've been at this a while. Uh, our founders uh, founded this originally um, starting in California and then um, began our first work in Thailand. Uh, we are in five countries, uh, Thailand, Mexico, Japan, Australia, and here in the United States. And in the United States, we are located in Los Angeles and in Southeast Pennsylvania. So in these locations, what is it the organization is doing to help fight this problem? So we use uh, three pillars in each place that we are, um, rescue, uh, restoration, and prevention. So those kind of three things, depending on where we're at, uh, we work those a little bit differently. Um, so in, in some of the, some of the countries, the only thing that we are really on the ground doing is prevention and awareness and, uh, meeting the needs of vulnerable kids. So, you know, many times, uh, trafficking happens because kids are vulnerable. So we try and meet that need, um, and attack the area of, of vulnerability whenever we can. Um, in other areas, there are a lot larger, uh, operations. For example, in Thailand, we have about 100 Thai staff in Thailand. Uh, we have about 25 volunteers, uh, American volunteers in Thailand. And then um, we have a home for traffic uh, kids that have been rescued from traffic uh, trafficking. Uh, and there's about 60 uh, kids that have uh, lived on that campus uh, in Thailand. Uh, then in... Um, in Los Angeles, uh, we have a home for traffic girls uh, that have been trafficked out of Los Angeles County. Uh, and we also advocate, we have an advocate program where we uh, advocate for about 100 girls that have been taken out of trafficking from L.A. Uh, one of the statistics we do, it's unfortunate, but it, it sort of focuses people on the problem and focuses on on how um, how horrible the problem is. Of those 100 girls that we advocate for, the average age is 14, uh, and they've already been pulled out of traffic. The International Labor Organization estimates nearly 50 million people are victims of modern-day slavery worldwide. 4.9 million, about 5 million of those, are women and girls. This is seemingly a problem that is bigger for for women and girls. Um, would you say in your experience that's what you see, or is it pretty evenly split? It depends on where we're at, really. Um uh, my wife and I lived in Thailand and worked with Zoe for five years, so we're very familiar with uh, um, the situation uh, in that area. And there we were rescuing as many boys as we were girls, uh, generally speaking. Um, so I guess it depends on the area here uh, in our domestic work in Los in, uh, in America. Uh, and specifically, I'm located in southeast Pennsylvania. So um, and I would say we do see predominantly um, women and, and girls here uh, and domestically. That seems to be. Um, and again, that, that's sex trafficking. So labor trafficking is kind of a, a, a different, uh, a different area, so to speak. But in sex trafficking, it does seem to be women and children, um, predominantly. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children says more than 25,000 children reported missing in the U.S. and one in six likely are victims of sex trafficking. That is a chilling statistic, especially for parents. With your background in law enforcement, I have to ask you, Brad, what what tips can you give to parents who are concerned about this problem? Great question. Um, you know, there, there are tips out there that we can share that, you know, these are some of the things you want to look out for for your kids. Uh, you know, for instance, um, if they're 
their situation changes all of a sudden very drastically, specifically an older boyfriend, sometimes an older girlfriend, but usually an older boyfriend. Um, they start having, um, gifts or clothes or cell phones or something that they've never had before and they can't afford, uh, their demeanor changes. They start distancing away from family and people that care about them. Those are just some of the tips, um, generally speaking, but you know, it really, it, it, we often say, um, that an empowered child is, is very hard to traffic. And what I mean by that is, um, traffickers, they attack vulnerability. So if your child is not vulnerable, if your child is loved, cared for, you're involved in your child's life. Um, I just wanted to kind of dispel, you know, could trafficking happen? Absolutely. But on a very, very small percentage. Um, so most people, and when we, we teach prevention, wherever we go, a lot of parents come up and they're very concerned and we, we kind of put them at ease a little bit of like, look, if you're involved in your child's life, um, you're already on a great path there. So most of the children that we come, not all, but most of the children that we come in contact with, um, parents are sometimes out of the picture or that's just not a great home life or there's just not many people in their life that love them and care for them. And that's how um, the, the, their, their uh, life of trafficking sort of starts from there. Traffickers really main really, it really comes down to they attack vulnerability. They look for it. They smell it out. They find it and they're great at exploiting vulnerability. And that's how a trafficker operates. Brad Ortenzi of Zoe International is taking to the bike. He, he and his teammates are about to undertake a 3,000-plus mile trip across the U.S. that will be passing through Ohio, and we'll be watching for you, Brad. And they are doing it to benefit Zoe International, fighting child sex trafficking. Go Zoe, and that's G-O-Z-O-E dot org is the place online where you can get more information. I would imagine we can probably make donations there as well, can't we, Brad? You absolutely could, yes. All right. We'll be watching for the Race Across America, this one supporting a great cause for Brad's team, the end of child trafficking, and let's make that happen. Brad, we thank you so much. I'm sure you probably need to get back to training before you take off on your big race. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. We'll have more of this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. You think buckling up is a personal choice? That it doesn't hurt anyone else? You would be wrong. Your choice could shatter the lives of your family, friends, and everyone you know. That's why we enforce seatbelt laws to save lives. Think about that every time you drive. Buckling up isn't just a good idea. It's a choice between surviving a crash or not. Make sure you and everyone in the vehicle buckles up every time. Click it or ticket. Paid for by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Do you want a job that is flexible, secure, and fun? It also offers excellent pay and is ranked as one of the best jobs in America, too. I'm talking about being a dental hygienist. And all you have to do is complete a two-year program after high school. Visit ODA.org to learn more and to start helping people love their smile. This message is brought to you by the members of the Ohio Dental Association. Everyone knows you can have a lot of fun outside. But did you know that spending time outdoors is actually good for you? That's right. Spending time in the outdoors can have a positive impact on your body and your mind. Even 15 minutes outside a day can lower your stress and help you feel better. So get out there, visit an Ohio park, and thrive outside. Are you in crisis? Contact Ohio's Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Call, text, or chat 988. 
Family dinners, game nights, and holiday parties. It all happens at home. And we want to help you realize your dream of homeownership. We're the Ohio Housing Finance Agency. And if you're ready to buy a home, we may be able to help. Visit myohiohome.org for more information on down payment assistance, lower interest rates, and more. OFA makes purchasing a home more affordable. Visit myohiohome.org. Home ownership. Make it part of your future. Are you starting to question your gambling or the actions of someone you love? It may be time to talk to someone who understands. Call the Problem Gambling Helpline today and talk to a trained specialist. There's no judgment and no commitment. Plus, it's completely free and confidential. We're here for you. You are not alone. And remember, we all have the power to change with the Problem Gambling Helpline of Ohio. Make the call today. Call the Problem Gambling Helpline of Ohio at 1-800-589-9966. As much as we say we love nature, when it comes to bugs, eh, not so much. When it comes to trees, the Ohio chapter of the International Society of Arboriculture wants you to know that most insects are not harmful to trees, especially if their populations are small. There are exceptions to that, but don't forget, every insect has a predator that's just looking to make it a meal. So sometimes it's just good to let nature take care of itself. If you're concerned about insects on your trees, find an ISA certified arborist near you at treesforohio.org. That's trees, the number four, ohio.org. Ohio Sports Destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Kate Burdett. Welcome back to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. 3,000 plus miles of 15-minute sprints. Ow, that sounds painful. (laughs) And that's what a group of men are getting ready to embark upon. It's a bike ride across the country, the race across America. It's been around for more than 40 years. And we are talking with a couple of great guys today. We just heard from Brad Ortenzi. And now we have Kevin Quinter with us. Kevin, you are about to take on this amazing, amazing project, huh? Yeah, crazy enough, I am, yes. What what was it that made you say, sure, I can ride a bike across the country? Are you an avid cyclist? Are you just looking for a new goal to achieve? How did this happen? Uh, Maybe both, but yes, I am an avid cyclist. Um, Been riding my bike and racing, you know, kind of amateurly for a couple of years now. Uh, I've always kind of had the bucket list of doing something like Race Across America, Um, but looked into it in the past and like, wow, that's, that's pretty crazy. I mean, that's coast to coast, the support that goes into it and the the team effort is huge. So I've never really had the opportunity. And then it, it kind of popped up and was offered a spot on the team. And I just jumped in and said, yeah, let's do it. So there's eight of you and it's handled kind of like a relay. How exactly does that work? When I said the 15 minute sprints, do you literally get on the bike for 15 minutes, sprint, and then do you jump in a bus to, to rest, or how does that go? Yeah, I think the concept is kind of, uh, you know, we say for five miles, or this on average is roughly going to be 15 minutes. So I guess it could be a little longer or shorter, depending. Uh, but we break up the hour. So, yeah, you're 15 minutes on, full gas, everything you got, jump in the van, and then three other people go, then you're back out again. So we split the team into four man teams and do 12 hour shifts. And for 12 hours, just rotating through 15 on 45 off. Wow. I know when my spin instructor says, let's sprint for 30 seconds, I'm ready to leave. <laughs> so I can't yeah, even yeah. conceive of this. Yeah. yeah. 
What, yep, what does what does your training look like? Do you gradually build up to longer rides? How does that go? Yeah, so it's kind of a mix. You know, start with a, a traditional training, like get some base miles, and then work up to intervals that are, are are fifteen minutes long of intervals of what watts I can hold for fifteen minutes and not you know be done the rest of the day. So uh, I just got back from a thousand mile week long bike ride from Key West to South Carolina to try to get a good base. Well, at least you had some beautiful scenery to look at. And nice sunshine, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're going to see some beautiful parts of the United States. And as we touched uh, touched on and talked about with Brad previously, this is for a great cause. You're raising money for Zoe International. And um, if I'm not mistaken, Kevin, you actually have sort of a professional interest in the cause of ending human trafficking, don't you? Yes, it's kind of, it's, it's an interesting, you know, nice marriage between Zoe and what I do. I'm a full-time detective um, in Pennsylvania working with on human trafficking on a local human trafficking task force, as well as with Homeland Security investigations in a human trafficking task force. So yeah, it's uh, kind of what I do daily and to marry it up with an organization that continues to restore victims to trafficking. It's, it's just perfect for me. And that's what I like so much about the messaging around this cause is you don't just talk about rescuing children from trafficking. You also talk about restoration. And that word is so important, I think, because these victims, first of all, are so completely innocent, so just absolutely vulnerable. What can you tell me as a professional, either in law enforcement or someone with an interest in in this cause? What is... What is the restoration process like for these young victims? What what kind of treatments do they need? Yeah, it's extensive treatments. I mean, you know, their world is torn apart and everything that they thought, you know, growing up, especially young child victims, it, it's it's tough what they need to, they need to be restored as a human being and, and get some dignity back. You know, they go through so many stages of uh, blaming themselves, thinking that they're at fault for what happened that they could have just, you know, walked away and stuff like that. And, you know, society and other people think that, hey, why don't they just walk away from what's going on? And the trauma bond and the stuff that goes on is so strong. It's hard, even being involved in it, it's hard for me to understand and fathom how strong that is for these victims. So, yeah, they, it's, it's a lifetime. I, I don't think it's ever stopping. I can't fully empathize, but, you know, it's going to be a lifetime thing for them to get through and be restored back to the human being they're supposed to be. We spoke before about the the strength of a bicycle rider riding across the country, and you can't help but notice sort of the parallelism of the strength that these young people need to get through what they're going through. Um, I can only imagine that's a big inspiration for you as you set off to ride your bike across the country. And uh, we look forward to watching you come through Ohio sometime in the next few weeks. They're going to start on June 17th, the eight-man team leaving California, heading for Annapolis, Maryland, Riding across the country to spread the word about Zoe International. Kevin Quinter is one of those eight, and we wish you the best of luck and a very smooth ride, Kevin. Kate, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. We'll have more of this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. The Buckeye Show. Give Johnny credit, though, because he was doing NIL before it was even legal. He was in hotel rooms signing stuff. Is this a problem? I'm like, yeah, it's kind of a problem. <laughs> ah, oh well. The Buckeye Show. Sponsored by CareSource. Weeknights at 6 on The Fan.
Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Kate Burdett. Time to get the latest on the Cleveland Cavaliers and hear from Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs with our Eric Reeser. Talking with Chris Manning, he is the host of the Locked On Cavaliers podcast. Download, subscribe, listen to the Locked On Cavaliers podcast, wherever it is you do your podcasting. And Chris, of course, we know that Cavaliers were dismissed in the first round of the NBA playoffs at the hands of the New York Knicks. How should Cavs fans feel about the Miami Heat? going from the second play-in to the doorstep of the NBA Finals? I think they have to look at it and kind of say, okay, like, what can we take from this? I think the way I would look at it if I were them is saying, look at the toughness, look at the, the coaching, knocking in from Eric Spolstra. He's never, he's never once going to feel outmatched in these series. Um, and, and look at the, the kind of guys they've really put in, they've developed. I mean, Max Struess and Caleb Martin and go down the list. Those are success stories for this Miami Heat organization. Certainly the Kevin Love part of it is awkward, and I think you have to feel a certain way about that as well, and, and wondering, you know, did the Cavs kind of write off him too soon and push him out the door too soon, and, you know, did was there something in that relationship that we don't know about? I think that that's a fair question as well, but I think you have to look at that, and what can you learn from that about a team that is tough, has as many good wing players as they do that that is being coached that high level. I think you have to look at that and take what you can learn from it. Um, and, and if you're a fan, I think probably also be a little bit annoyed. Chris, does Jimmy Butler's performance in the postseason do anything in your mind to lessen the importance of the regular season? Because it feels like it was lackluster at best for the Heat during the regular season. Get into the play-in, barely make the actual playoffs. And now again, like I said, doorstep of the NBA Finals. Yeah, the first thing I would say is that I think Butler, to his credit, was a second-team All-NBA guy. So, like, he had a very good regular season. I think this is a bigger... I think the NBA overall did, like, devalues the regular season, though, in a way that I think is very frustrating. Um, like, March, you're not going to learn anything in March from the NBA. You're just, like, not. Like, that month is, is a wash. And I think we know that the game changes, the way people play changes, the way offenses work changes what matters to some degree in games changes. And I think the NBA has a problem with that. Like they, there's nothing within the NBA, not nothing, but there's, unless you just love basketball and a lot of people do, I do. The NBA regular season can sometimes feel just like a, a very, very extended warm up. And I think that there tells you that there's certain things you can do to really rev it up. I think even beyond the heat, the Lakers obviously had LeBron and AD, but they made in-season trades and were a, a playing team. And both those teams made the conference finals. One, I think is going to make the NBA finals. And I, and I think there is something to the fact that the NBA as a whole, the last several years, has kind of devalued the regular season. And that isn't great from a competitiveness standpoint, from a making basketball as, as interesting as to be all the time standpoint. And I, I think that's what we have to learn. I think that's how I look at it. I think certainly there are parts of what the Heat are doing that have worked, and maybe they got a little lucky as well. It's always part of it. But I think the NBA overall has a we've devalued the, the regular season problem. Chris Manning, my guest, he is the host of the Locked On Cavaliers podcast. Download, subscribe, rate the Locked On Cavaliers part podcast, excuse me, five stars, whatever it is you do your podcasting. Uh, Chris, after being swept by the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, LeBron James actually, I think for the first time ever, said he'd consider retiring or whether or not to rejoin Los Angeles uh, this next season. Do you think LeBron's really thinking about calling it a career? I think he is, for the first time, publicly grappling with his basketball mortality. I don't think he's going to retire. I think he is going to come back. And in, in the, the cynic in me who has seen him leverage front offices for as long as I have, I, I think there's certainly part of it where I, I, there is some cynicism about he's just trying to get them to do something and, and pulling that carrot out there and saying, I, I, I could retire. But I also think this is a 38-year-old 
who is, if he plays next year, will pass Kareem for the most minutes anyone has ever played playoffs in regular season. There is no one professionally that has played like that, that amount of basketball before. His body is thing. His kids are getting older. He has a son going to college. Like this is the guy I think that is actually questioning his basketball mortality publicly for the first time. I think that's what that is. It felt very as as candid as you're ever going to get LeBron to some degree, right? Like that is where I went. And I think certainly there's maybe some leverage part of it, whatever. But I take him at his word, and I I think this is someone who at 38 with all the minutes, the foot injury. I, I think he is, and who went through some battles this postseason. I, I think this is someone really just grappling with the basketball mortality for the first time. And the team that, of course, dismissed the Lakers from the playoffs is the Denver Nuggets. First NBA po- Finals appearance for Denver and Nikola Jokic. Could this, Chris, in your mind, be the start of a multi-year run for Denver in the Western Conference? Yes. I mean, I think they've been building this. I think this Nuggets team is super compelling. It's loaded with interesting stories. Jokic is perhaps the best player alive right now has that belt I think right now you would think based on what they've done this postseason the way he's playing I think it's possible I think certainly you have to get lucky things have to go right um but I I think you look at what they have and where Jokic is where Murray is where MPJ is with with all the different things they have I think that's absolutely a team that is poised I mean I think they were poised a couple years ago and then Murray gets hurt and they really had a delay two years I think this is a team that has been just waiting for this kind of opportunity to get there. Um, I, I don't think there's any reason I think they're, they're going to go anywhere. And of course, staying in the West, the San Antonio Spurs won the draft lottery, and they'll likely take French 7-5 phenom Victor Wembenyama with the number one overall pick. Uh, Chris, where are you with the Wemby hype? And you Do you believe he could be the best prospect ever in team sport? I, I get a little weird uh, about that stuff just because like I like I'm I'm a Cleveland person. I was a kid like in elementary school and LeBron is coming up and like there's never gonna be anything quite like that. And I think like saying generational prospect ever is like really putting the hype machine up to an insane degree. But like there's not reason to not think this guy is gonna be generational. That this guy isn't gonna be one of the best prospects we've ever seen. He is that talented, he is that interesting, he is that good. Like I, I don't think there's reason to doubt what he is. I, I don't think there's a reason to look at him and be and, and have skepticism. I think certainly got to have him prove it, come in, see what he looks like. But he's there, there's a reason that the NBA was putting his games on their app, even though he's playing in the friendship. There's a reason that the talk about him has been for years. I think it's it's real. I think that his frame, his skill set, all of it makes him this incredibly unique, incredibly one of one prospect that is worth the hype. Is it the greatest team prospect ever? I don't know. Like that, that is such like a crazy question. Like a in, to me, because it's just like how do you even really answer that? And even in the NBA, like I would probably just give it to LeBron because it's LeBron. But this guy is going to be awesome, and it's like I cannot wait to see what he looks like in the league. I can't wait to see how the Spurs handle him and how aggressive they are with trying to win with him in year one. It, he's he's going to be awesome. There's no reason to think that he's not going to be incredible, even if he isn't quote unquote the greatest team prospect that has ever. Again, download, subscribe, rate the Locked On Cavaliers podcast, wherever it is you do your podcasting. He's the host of the Locked On Cavaliers pod. Chris Manning, my guest. Chris, thanks so much for the time today, bud. Anytime. We'll have more of this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. Bishop and Friends. My senior year in high school, I had dreadlocks, and th- those are always those are always pushed back. Oh, and when I, I have cut to it off, see an image. Thinking was what? Bishop and Friends. Sponsored by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Weekdays from nine to noon. The Fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Kate Burdett. 
time to discuss Cincinnati Reds baseball with our Paul Keels. Well, this week we're giving our Locked on Reds guys a little bit of a break, and we're going to talk Cincinnati Reds baseball with Matt Andrews, lifelong <laughs> Reds fan, the voice of Ohio State women's basketball and baseball, and our sideline guy for football. What, Matt, are your earliest memories of following the Cincinnati Reds? It's funny, Paul, you asked that because my cousin and I were just discussing this, growing up following the Reds and always having LW on, even on our farm, we'd listen to games as we were doing our chores. And I talked to my cousin about this because we would reenact old Reds mid-80s players when we'd get together Such every as. so often. He was Bo Diaz, mostly. Oh, wow. I loved the late Cal- Bo the Diaz. Late Bo Diaz. <laughs> I loved Cal Daniels. My brother was an Eric Davis guy to the point of now 30 years later, he's been able to introduce him, his kids to Eric Davis and Barry Larkin at Red Spring Training, which made his day, made my day, and made our phone call good. So the memories are great. They, they're vivid. Uh, Marty and Joe is a lot of the the answer to your question. Just in and trying to figure out that craft a little bit as and I know you've you've grown up listening the same way and in following Reds baseball, but it's uh it's a labor of uh, of enjoyment, passion of baseball. Helped me sculpt kind of my baseball style and broadcasting. So there are a lot of vivid vivid images that come to mind, Paul. So into the eighties, there were some bad seasons. Yes. Eventually, a good season in nineteen ninety. But talk about still paying attention fervently when the team was struggling well i guess luckily as i'm you know eight ten years old during that time didn't really understand what struggling meant you know second place is pretty good now fast forward 30 years and here they are in fourth place and you realize what struggling is but yeah and then they win in 90 um that was obviously, that's the year right now that comes to my mind. I wasn't around for the big red machine days. But when they struggled and were just, I guess, average in the 80s, I didn't realize any better what struggling was. And uh, with P- to, to me, it was cool that Pete Rose was player manager. And how did that work? And all the questions kind of and growing up and following that. And then once I got into the opportunity to work at the Reds AAA team in Louisville, uh, you you took a whole different perspective to what was coming and the farm system, how they built it, how they could continue to build it, where the talent future what was lying was it was it there was it going to be in in signings and in off season moves? Um, so it's really helped me evolve my baseball knowledge of of just kind of working in the organization within the organization as part of what they're trying to do to figure out how you put together a winner. And here we are. I guess we're still looking for that winner again for it. So Matt, you mentioned 1990, the second modern day wire to wire world series champion, right after the Detroit Tigers of 84, what jumps back into your memory about that magical season of 90? Paul, I remember like it was yesterday when they started 9-0, and I know they opened the year in Houston. And when they started 9-0, I remember it was either the eighth or ninth win in that streak. I vividly remember sitting on the family mower, mowing our lawn, listening to the game on radio, thinking, well, this team's pretty good. And they never, they were, I, I guess, a little bit maybe in August when they went through the dog days, but they were never really pushed. I think the league got down to a game and a half at one point. But when they went wire to wire, 
they were able to hold on the whole way. And then once they got into the playoffs, and you'll remember, they clinched on a rainout because there was a West Coast game that came into play that prevented them from uh, from clinching on their home field. And, uh, and then they get to the postseason. And I was going through, uh, as a youngster, I had some medical issues. And I was going through something very, very trying in my life when they went to the World Series. And I still to this day don't know if my friend asked me out of goodness or out of just feeling sorry for me to go with him. <laughs> but my friend asked me to go with he and his family to game two of the World Series that year. that game also. They had tickets. And um, we went to game two and saw that great extra inning win. We, we left the game and Johnny Bench is pulling out and wouldn't sign anything. And so... We mope away, and sure enough, he rolls his window down to sign our T-shirt as we're leaving following that Game 2 win to go up 2-0. And remember, it was a rainy night at Riverfront as the evening went on. And I had to go to school the next day, but we were at the World Series. (laughs) And I'll never forget that. Well... Thank you for sharing the memories. I'll uh, get your memories well, later. Well, yeah, I was going to say, we'll, we'll reverse <laughs> the roles maybe the next time we have to do this for the Sports Magazine show. Thanks, Paul. We'll have more of this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. You think buckling up is a personal choice? That it doesn't hurt anyone else? You would be wrong. Your choice could shatter the lives of your family, friends, and everyone you know. That's why we enforce seatbelt laws to save lives. Think about that every time you drive. Buckling up isn't just a good idea. It's a choice between surviving a crash or not. Make sure you and everyone in the vehicle buckles up every time. Click it or ticket. Paid for by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Do you want a job that is flexible, secure, and fun? It also offers excellent pay and is ranked as one of the best jobs in America, too. I'm talking about being a dental hygienist. And all you have to do is complete a two-year program after high school. Visit ODA.org to learn more and to start helping people love their smile. This message is brought to you by the members of the Ohio Dental Association. Everyone knows you can have a lot of fun outside. But did you know that spending time outdoors is actually good for you? That's right. Spending time in the outdoors can have a positive impact on your body and your mind. Even 15 minutes outside a day can lower your stress and help you feel better. So get out there, visit an Ohio park, and thrive outside. Are you in crisis? Contact Ohio's Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Call, text, or chat 988. Family dinners, game nights, and holiday parties, it all happens at home. And we want to help you realize your dream of homeownership. We're the Ohio Housing Finance Agency, and if you're ready to buy a home, we may be able to help. Visit myohiohome.org for more information on down payment assistance, lower interest rates, and more. OFA makes purchasing a home more affordable. Visit myohiohome.org. Home ownership. Make it part of your future. Are you starting to question your gambling or the actions of someone you love? It may be time to talk to someone who understands. Call the Problem Gambling Helpline today and talk to a trained specialist. There's no judgment and no commitment. Plus, it's completely free and confidential. We are here for you. You are not alone. And remember, we all have the power to change with the Problem Gambling Helpline of Ohio. Make the call today. Call the Problem Gambling Helpline of Ohio at 1-800-589-9966. As much as we say we love nature, when it comes to bugs, eh, not so much. 
When it comes to trees, the Ohio chapter of the International Society of Arboriculture wants you to know that most insects are not harmful to trees, especially if their populations are small. There are exceptions to that, but don't forget, every insect has a predator that's just looking to make it a meal. So sometimes it's just good to let nature take care of itself. If you're concerned about insects on your trees, find an ISA certified arborist near you at treesforohio.org. That's trees, the number four, ohio.org. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Kate Burdett. Time now to get some highlights of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show with Jay Crawford. Here's producer Colin Barringer to set the scene. Thanks, Kate. This week on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, the discussion is all about this week in the NFL, which is the week of voluntary organized team activities. And several players on the Browns roster did not show up this week, including Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Joe Batonio, and David Njoku. And the guys discuss whether this is a big deal or no deal at all. Guys, for me, it's a no deal. I don't care at all. Um, if it was a guy who was coming off a significant injury, maybe, or it was a young player, maybe I'd care a little bit. Would I rather them be there than not? Sure. If I, if I had to choose, I'd rather the guys be there. But to me, it's no big deal. These are all veteran players. I guess if you cared about anybody, it might be Najoku. It's a little weird to me that Nick Chubb is not there because I feel like he's always at these things. But in the end, I don't care. It's a zero deal for me. I'm a little surprised by you guys. Mm. I think this is a little bit of a deal. And listen, I don't want to go crazy because when we, we had a raging debate in this town for years over OTAs with Odell and Odell. Well, was missing yes. <laughs> and I was in your guys' camp of yeah. this is a nothing burger. Like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. But that was a receiver, and that was a little different. I don't care about Petonio. I th- Personally, I think Petonio is following the J.C. Treader boycott. Petonio and Treader are still very good friends. Treader was president of the Players' Union and pushing, pushing, pushing. If you recall, these are not necessary. It's risk of injury. I yeah. think Petonio is falling in line with this guy. Fine, whatever. You're a guard. Yeah. Njoku, whatever. Chubb, I think it's maybe tied to the contract. This could be his last year in Cleveland. We don't yeah. need to get into that so now. So Miles Garrett is the one. Miles Garrett. Why? Because of the new players on the D-line? If you want to be a leader on this team, if you're a franchise pillar, you need to be at this. And it's a new defensive coordinator. It's a new scheme. There's a lot at stake this year. There's a lot of jobs at stake. Your future of your career is at stake. Because if this thing goes sideways, who knows where this goes? Like, this is a really important season and a really important offseason. And if you want to carry yourself as a pillar of this franchise and as a leader of this franchise, set the tone. What would we be saying if Deshaun Watson was not at OTAs? What would you say? Yeah, I'd have a different feeling about it. You'd have a different feeling about it. Well, Miles Garrett's the quarterback of the defense, and if he's going to be the face of the defense and he's the leader, he needs to be at these. To catch the full breakdown, just search the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show on YouTube, subscribe to their page, and enjoy daily content covering all things Cleveland sports. We'll be back to wrap up this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue on the Ohio News Network. The Fan is broadcasting live from the Memorial Tournament. Come and join us Thursday. We'll be drunk. Sponsored by the Waterworks, Orthopedic One, and Bet Parks. Your home for suburban dads walking around in golf spikes. The Fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Kate Burdett. 
That's all for this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. Thank you so much to this week's guests, Brad Ortenzi and Kevin Quinter, members of an eight-man cycling team pedaling across the U.S. to raise money and awareness to end child trafficking. You can learn more at gozoe.org. That's G-O-Z-O-E. Thanks to all of our Locked On podcast contributors as well this week. For Colin Berenger, Eric Reeser, and Paul Keels, I'm Kate Burdett. Thank you for listening to Ohio Sports Magazine. Join us next week here on the Ohio News Network. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM HD1